are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the writer and director for Supernova, Harry McQueen. So you have to find the three brightest lights there that make the triangle. These ones? Mm-hmm. And that's where the Milky Way is. Hmm. It's good to get back on the road again, don't you think? But how about just exploring the outer regions of fifth gear? <laughs> how are you? Surprise! I thought we'd have a party. I am on the edge. <laughs> All right. If you had one wish in the world, what would it be? I wish this holiday wouldn't end. So, can you tell that it's gotten worse? I'd like to make a speech. I, uh... Well, maybe, maybe Sam will do it for me. I'd love to. you do it for me. Now, as most of you will know, I'm slowly losing my ability to remember. And I definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for this man next to me. I want to be remembered for who I was, but not for who I'm about to become. It's not fair to you. It's not about fair. It's about love. No, Sam. I want to see this through with you to the end. Costa! Hey, sorry. You know, a very wise man once said, we will not starve for lack of wonders, but from lack of wonder. Harry, thanks so much for joining me on the Next Best Picture podcast to talk about your film, Supernova. Thanks, Daniel. It's really nice to be here. Well, Supernova is a very intimate film, feels very personal. Uh, could you tell me about how you developed this story? Yeah, you're right. It's a very it's a very personal film. Um, about five years ago, I was working with uh, working with a lady who had young onset dementia, and I didn't know that at the time, and she didn't know that at the time. But um, over the course of about a year, I watched her change quite a lot um, because of that uh, because of that illness. And then about a year after that, uh, unfortunately, she she passed away. Mm. Um, and around the same time, another friend of mine put her dad, her father in a, a care home when he was uh, 60, just turned 60. And so I, I really wanted to learn more about dementia because I was really you know, profoundly moved by those experiences. Mm. So I then started researching it and I went and volunteered at charities and ultimately spent about two years working with um, the dementia team at the University College London, who are like the kind of dementia specialists in the UK. And through them, I learned an enormous amount about, you know, the, 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 the medicine side of things, the biology side of things, but also crucially got to spend a lot of time with people uh, who are living with this condition. Um, and I still do that. Um, so the story really is inspired by that kind of privileged time that I spent um, with those people. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, is, it is a very personal film. Mm. And on the relationship side, uh, you know, obviously the, the film, we're, we're following this relationship that feels so lived in. They've been together for uh, 20 plus years. 
is that personal for you? Does that did the relationship in this film was that based on you know people you knew or relationships you've you've witnessed over the years? Not directly. No, I'm quite careful not to sort of to try and you know very much make it fiction. But I think obviously you you always um, give a lot of your personality and your 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 history your own history to to a project and and to characters specifically so they probably are in some way based on you know an amalgamation of lots of people that i've met and sure. lots of stories that i've heard um but certainly um it, it felt really interesting to me to explore a relationship between two people at this age i don't think that's done very much yeah. um in in cinema um and of course if you're if you're talking about dementia and young onset dementia that's absolutely the kind of bracket uh, uh, you know age bracket in which it would you know a story like this would would happen so um it, it did feel also like quite an original thing to do yeah and it, and it stars these two two newcomers uh colin firth and stanley tucci <laughs> uh incredible performances yeah. tell, tell me about casting you know being lucky enough to cast these incredible actors uh in yeah. this film yeah i mean amazing performances for their first film can you imagine <laughs> right, i mean it's right. really they've just been undetected for so many years Shocking. and then some, yeah um it was i mean it goes without saying it was an incredible privilege to work with them and it was something i'll always be thankful for and, and always remember i mean it was it, funnily enough it was quite an easy an easy process the way it yeah. happened i mean i got we got the script to stanley first of all and he just loved it and he you know happily and he really loved the characters and i met him and we got on really well and um and he said he wanted to do it like there and then really and mm -hmm. then I'd always wanted to try and find, if it was possible, to try and find two actors for this that knew each other, um, because you know it's 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 in, integral um, to the story how how sort of nuanced those performances are and how intimate and intense that sort of central relationship was going to be. So I was always aware that it would help, you know, as an actor myself. Kind of, you know, it's, it, it does tend to be easier if there's a uh, you know, if there's already trust between you and the person you're playing opposite. And Stanley said, well, you know, I, I don't know whether you know this, but I'm best friends with Colin. Could we talk to him about it? And I didn't know that. I, I knew they'd worked together, but I didn't know they were friends. And so obviously I said, uh, I said, no, that would be a really awful <laughs> idea. Um, and then he persuaded me. No, no, he, he, we, he, obviously I said that would be amazing. And then Stanley said, well, great. Cause I gave him the script last week and he loves it <laughs> and he wants to meet you. So the whole thing was a, uh, stitch up really um but then obviously i met colin and we got on really well too and it, it was a bit of a dream really from then on wow that's amazing uh, and and the relationship between them you know is so authentic and and honest and natural uh, aside from them being incredible actors obviously how did you help them portray such a natural and comfortable partnership well i think i think a, a, well a lot of it's in the script i mean i've got to be honest i say i think a lot a lot of when you're when you're a filmmaker uh, you know a lot of a lot of that comes from the script and it has to really that that sort of has to be there atmospherically in the script right from the start but it, but also you know Colin and Stanley drew a lot from the 20 years that they've known each other I mean they're best friends they've helped each other through some very difficult times in the last 20 years and some amazing times too and I think you you, you they've shared a lot and you, you draw as much as you can from that um and then obviously you know the job then becomes reframing that within the context of the characters and the you know specificities of of the project which is really difficult it's not easy in the slightest but it sort of um it does help it it, it really does help 
you know and, and I think you're right I think everything they do in the film feels so plausible and and effortless and you know and easy you know in the best possible you know use of the word so I think it's um it, it, it's it's lovely and surprising too what they do yeah History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. I think that was good enough. I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) How much research did you have them do? into into dementia uh, to help them flesh out the performances a lot a lot actually i mean I, quite honestly the, the most important thing right from the start of making this film was to get to represent that truthfully and authentically and compassionately like that it, it wouldn't have mattered really if the film was awful as long as we got that right and i was really you know i think we were all you know uh, on the same page with that so obviously i'd i had a, a lot of re- my own research and i gave all of that to colin and stanley and they that involved lots of lots of reading lots of watching documentaries several films that i'd recommended and then we went in and met the doctors that i'd worked with which was kind of crucial so we spent a couple of days full days with those doctors talking about the medical side of things but also very very importantly talking about and watching and studying people living with this condition and not 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 specifically um for, for Stanley obviously because he he needed to perform it but also in terms of the relationships and in terms of how dementia affects love and how it affects trust and how it affects the people orbiting around the person that's um that's living with the dementia which is obviously you know really what the film's about so we did an enormous amount of research and and they they took it on you know they took it on very very seriously and 
they both have they both have very important roles to play in the film obviously you know stanley's um, portrayal of someone with this specific type of dementia at this specific stage in that dementia's life as it were cycle is just phenomenal i mean if you've spent time with people as i have it's it's just a, it's just an incredibly truthful presentation of it and you know colin too you know having to become someone dealing with that and go having to you know portray a character that's gone from being an equal partner in this in this partnership to being a carer is really hard and um you know did it incredibly well absolutely and and we've seen other movies about dementia or alzheimer's or any of these these sorts of things mm. and usually they all have one at least one sequence where there's this high melodrama or there's you know, uh, the, the the person uh, runs away or gets into some sort of dangerous situation. And there's nothing like that here. Why? What made you steer clear of those sorts of, you know, high drama uh, situations instead and, and keep it small? Well, in many ways, you know, to not over-dramatize it is kind of my, um, that's sort of my preference anyway yeah. with, with films quite often but with material like this it's just about being as truthful as you can to the yeah. situation and you know in the years that I spent working with people like that those things happen but the very very occasionally I think it's more important and it felt more important and original you know which is also crucial mm -hmm. to me to portray something that was just really lived in you know it's really like the their, their relationship is complex and it's emotionally rich and it's passionate but it's um it's day to day you know that you know the the battle that they're fighting the big drama of it all is um is is them coming you know is them coming to terms with his you know eventual um death and i think that's that sort of seemed to me that that was drama enough really without having um too much of uh you know too too many sort of overly dramatic melodramatic scenes really yeah i completely agree i think i think i think you pulled that off really well Thank you. Were there other works of art that inspired you as you were making Supernova, whether visually, emotionally, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, oh, loads. It's always it's always seems like the easiest question to answer, and it never is the easiest question. To <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff that there's filmmakers that inspire me. Uh, obviously, um, Kelly Reichardt, Michael Haneke, mm. Ozu, Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, you get inspired by lots of things, and you sort of what what happens is that those th those things inspire you to make your own work you know yeah. not to sort of um but I, I, we talked to you know the cinematographer dick and i talked a lot about painting and we talked a lot in particular about um a painter called joseph wright of derby who is a romantic painter who um made a lot of his paintings in, that involved um single light sources so you have people huddled or in, in total darkness really huddled around little candles or whatever so that sort of informed some of the way we shot it um and i was oh, i was reading lots of stuff I, I i i mean annie prue i mean lots of lots of lots of people really and what was the most challenging aspect uh, of making this film the most challenging aspect um well i think i think to be honest the process leading up to writing the script was incredibly challenging i think it was um it was you know one of the most profound experiences of my life it really was and i think doing the hard you know hard yards in that stage to make hopefully make a script that was truthful and honest 
was really difficult. And filming a road, a road trip movie is always difficult. Just mm. practically, it's very difficult. Um, you know, you're quite often, especially on this budget as well, you know, like we didn't really have the capacity to close roads or anything. We, we really wanted to do everything as authentically as possible. So Colin is really driving the van and, you know, the, all the cars you see are just the public, you know. So being on the road is, is, is challenging for loads of different in loads of different respects you don't have much control over your environment but that's also quite thrilling um and you know and i, I hopefully makes for um you know an authentic um experience and, and also and, the weather also the weather obviously because we oh, were yeah, filming sure. <laughs> i'm sure i'm uh, sure and what, what, what was the most rewarding aspect of making this project um it's it's all been incredibly rewarding and it sounds like a really uh, like a false answer but it's it, it it really has you know seeing these characters come to life as viscerally and as you know honestly as they brought them to life was was it was incredible um and also you know i i i've made this i made this film really because that i was privileged enough to spend time with people who are living through this and a lot of those people i still obviously see a lot and and one of them came up to me after we'd screened the film at the London Film Festival when she phoned me the following day and she said you know look, I've been trying for 10 years her husband uh, had passed away from this type of dementia um, the summer before who I'd worked with quite a lot and she said to me you know, I've, I've been trying for 10 years to explain to my friends what it's like for me to live with this person and to, to care for him and to love him still throughout all of this and I've never been able to do it and they've never really known but I know when they see this film they will understand what it was like for me and I think that really you can't get more fulfilling than that to hear that from someone that's beautiful well Harry I, I'm, I'm so grateful for your time grateful for your film before I let you go could you tell us what's next for you any any projects in the works that you're able to share with us yeah, I'm writing another film right now um, and hopefully working on a bit of TV uh, as well. But I'm, yeah, I'm focusing on my next feature. So um, I can't tell you much about it, mainly because I haven't written a word. <laughs> I'm doing my <laughs> <Sure>. best. <laughs> um, but yeah, but thank you, Daniel. It's really nice to speak to you. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be I'll be looking out for your next feature. Uh, so Thanks, much man. Cheers. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the writer and director for Supernova, Harry McQueen, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you want to leave a review for us, head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop us a comment, rate us five stars, and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because 
The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.